0: For more information or to plan your visit, check us out at CityWalkChurch.com or on social media at WeAreCityWalkCA. What's going on, CityWalk Church? How are we doing? Whether we're watching online or we're here this morning, hope you had a really good week. Uh, one of the things that uh, you'll hear us talk about a lot here, and, and Charisse has already mentioned it in the announcements, is how to get connected. And uh, next Saturday, before we dive into what we're going to talk about today, I wanted to bring up next Saturday, we have a thing called Growth Track One Day and grow track one day is a couple hours Uh, we'll be in the fellowship hall from 10 to 12 and it's basically for anybody that's maybe been coming to city walk and says hey man i want to take a next step i want to learn how to grow in my faith i want to better get connected i want to ask some questions about the church and kind of learn a little bit more about it that's what grow track is and we encourage everybody that calls city walk home to, to be at grow track and so if you haven't gone uh, I want to encourage you, you can sign up right in the bulletin, you can sign up online, and like I said, we'll be there from 10 to 12 uh, next Saturday. And so uh, sign up if you, have, if you have questions, you can talk to uh, Pastor Steve or myself at Next Steps, and we'd be glad to answer that for you. Uh, this weekend is obviously a pretty big weekend for a lot of reasons, uh, but it's a big weekend because of the Super Bowl, and uh, I see we've got some, some friends in here that we need to be praying for. Like like Mr. Enix over here towards my, you know, my left, uh, and a few others that are kind of under the radar, Chiefs fans. But this is a, a big weekend, and it's a big weekend because of the Super Bowl, obviously. It's also a big weekend if you're a, a fan of the NFL, because last night... Eight people got uh, put into the NFL Hall of Fame. They announced who was going to get in. And so I know some of you that are Raider fans, you were happy last night. We had a few different people that got in, a guy from the Bucks, And so it's a big weekend. And then also, if you uh, have ever been in a city where there's a Super Bowl, you know that, man, it kind of takes over the whole city. And uh, they have a thing called the NFL Experience where you can go and you can you know, take your family and you can try to throw like your heroes. You can try to tackle, you can try to run. There's different things you can take part in. And and, and it's something they, they do all week long to kind of get people ready. And it's a fun thing for the family. And, and kids love that. Uh, kids love pretending to be their heroes. And whether you're a fan of the NFL, whether you're a fan of sports at all, every single one of us as kids... We grew up and we had heroes. Some of our heroes were real, and some of them were, were people we watched on cartoons and on TV, and we, we watched these heroes, and if we're honest, we wanted to be like them. So, so we dressed up like them at Halloween. Halloween. Or we, man, and probably we all did this, we, we tied a pillowcase around our neck and we pretended to fly and had a little cape and tried to jump off things and realized we can't fly. Or if your hero was a, a, like a basketball player, like Kobe was your hero, you, you took the basketball goal in your, in your front yard and you lowered it all the way down. Don't don't pretend like you didn't do this. You lowered it all the way down because, man, you wanted to try to dunk like your hero. Or if you were a baseball fan and you had a hero that was a baseball player, you maybe changed your batting stance to match their batting stance. And you you watch what they did before they got up to bat and you did the kind of same thing because there's something about our heroes, whether they were make believe or whether they were real, they had something we wanted and we wanted to be like them. And if you grew up a couple thousand years ago, because heroes isn't really a new thing, if you grew up in a Jewish family a few thousand years ago, one of your heroes would have probably been a guy by the name of David. And if if posters were like a thing, you probably would have had a poster of David on the wall. If social media were a thing, you would have followed him on Instagram, and, and you would have watched him on TikTok. You, you would want to see kind of a little bit more about your hero David. You would watch him. You would want to be like him. You would, if he was on a TV show or getting interviewed, you'd, you'd tune in because he was somebody that was a hero to many people. He was a shepherd. He he was a warrior. He was a musician. He was a king. Man, he had a lot of things going for him. And his life was marked by both great accomplishment, but also by some devastation. He he, he didn't always do the right things. He sometimes made mistakes. He sometimes didn't just make mistakes. He sometimes sinned against God. and, And man, he had some devastation in his life. But but he was a hero. He wasn't a perfect man. But he was a man that God said was a man after his own heart. And over the next few weeks, we're going to, in some ways, kind of get a backstage pass into the early life of a guy by the name of David. And we're going to get a backstage pass into his early life. And we're going to examine kind of what's at the heart of this guy, That many people considered a hero. And there's really no better place to start than in 1 Samuel 17. And whether you grew up in church or not, whether you're you're watching online or you're here this morning, whether you grew up in church or not, whether you ever read your Bible or not, you've probably heard about what took place in 1 Samuel 17. You've heard about this guy by the name of David taking on a really large man named Goliath and it's really in this story of David and this really big guy named Goliath that we see a thought that I want us to kind of lean into this morning and it's simply this trusting God opens my eyes to see what others miss and do what others fear trusting God Opens my eyes to see what probably other people totally miss. And it also gives me that ability to to move into and lean into and do what other people fear. And the writer of 1 Samuel, he kind of sets the scene. And so if you have your Bible or it'll be up on the screen, it's in the app. Look at 1 Samuel chapter 17 and look at verse 3. As the writer sets the scene for this epic battle that you've heard about whether you grew up in church or not, about this guy by the name of David and this really big guy named Goliath. It says this in verse three, it says, the Philistines, who were the enemy back then, were standing on one hill and the Israelites were standing on another hill with a ravine between them. Then a champion named Goliath from Gath came out from the Philistine camp. And so what what was what would happen in these days is you had these two, imagine this, you had these two armies. You had the Philistines on the south side. You had the, the, the Israelites on the north side on these hills. And in between, there's this valley. And instead of like everybody dying, and this is something they would do, they'd say, okay, we don't want everybody to die in this thing. We're not real interested in a lot of bloodshed. And so let's Let's get a couple guys and, and send them out, and they'll just kind of go one on one, and that'll kind of do the, do the deal, and, and that'll be the battle. It would have worked in COVID times. Good. Hey, guys, we don't all want to fight. We're just going to send two guys out there. They're going to have masks on, and they're going to fight each other. And, and whoever wins, like, like they're, they, then if they win, Philistines win, then they get to, we, we're their servants, and, and vice versa. And so that's what happened. That, that was a normal thing. But, but here's the problem. That's a normal thing if like, uh, you know, and if you've ever played one-on-one against somebody in basketball or something, first thing you do, you like size them up. And so in, in normal times, you look, oh, this guy, I'm about, I'm about six foot, you know, about 200 and something. And the uh, guy, he looks like, I think I could take him. But in this case, it, it didn't go quite like that. In fact, the Philistines, and they describe in this next few verses their champion was a lot bigger than anybody else on the Israelite team. It says this, Goliath, he was nine feet, nine inches tall. So if you played basketball, he basically, his head was hitting the rim without jumping very much at all. Pretty big guy. It says he wore a bronze helmet and a bronze scale armor, and his armor weighed 125 pounds. Like some of you don't weigh 125 pounds and this guy, the armor that covered his body was 125 pounds. And then it says this, there was bronze armor on his shins and bronze, a bronze javelin uh, that he slung between his shoulders. His spear shaft was like a weaver's beam and the iron point of his spear weighed 15 pounds. Just a, just a point on the guy's spear. Some of you might need a spot just to lift that. Like this is a 15 pound. The, the end of his spear was 15 pounds. And, and like he wasn't big enough and like his armor wasn't enough, he actually had an assistant that went before him. Look look what the scripture says. It says, in addition, he had a shield bearer that was walking in front of him. Like uh, uh, That's like unfair. Why would the guy that's 9 feet 9 inches tall he is like the stuff that he's wearing his armor it weighs 125 pounds like he's not big and strong enough he actually needs a guy to go in front of him with a nine-foot shield to protect him it's not fair but life isn't fair so it says this in verse eight it says he stood and shouted to the israelites battle formations why do you come out to line up in battle formation He asked him, am I not a Philistine? Are you not servants of Saul? Choose one of your men and have him come down against me. If he wins in a fight against me and kills me, we will be your servants. But if I win against him and kill him, then you will be our servants and serve us. Then the Philistine said, I defy the ranks of Israel today. Send me a man so we can fight each other. This happened for 40 days. Twice a day, nine foot nine Goliath comes out and says, hey, I got my shoes on. I got the basketball. There's the goal. Anybody ready to go one on one? Is anybody want to play? And nobody would come out. Nobody would come out. And so he he, every single day would come and and he'll make it clear, like, if you beat me, we're your servants. You just got to beat me. And if I beat you, you're our servants. And it says this in verse 11, when Saul and all Israel heard these words from the Philistine, they lost courage and were terrified. See, they listened to the voice of the enemy instead of the voice of God. And here's what I know, and you know this because you've seen this probably in your own life. When we listen to the voice of the enemy, we always lose. When we listen to the voice of the enemy, we lose courage. When we listen to the voice of the enemy, we lose relationships. When we listen to the voice of the enemy, we lose our reputation, opportunities. Some of us can look back in our life, and some of our biggest regrets were when we listened to the voice of the enemy instead of the voice of God, and it cost us. And that's what was happening here. These guys were listening to the voice of the enemy, and because of it, the entire army and the king lost courage, and were afraid. And all this time, while this has all taken place, you have 16-year-old David, who's not even old enough to serve in the army, he has three brothers that are in the army, and he's basically he's got like a part-time job with his dad taking care of sheep and he's got a part-time job with the king. He kind of serves the king in the court. And so that's kind of his whole life. He's 16, can't be in the army, just doing what his dad says and and helping the king out a little bit. And then his dad comes to him and says, hey buddy, I, I need you to go deliver some food to your brothers in the army. And I want you to kind of check in on them and bring me back some just word how they're doing it. So it says this in verse 20. So David got up Early in the morning, he left the flock with someone to keep it, loaded up and set out as Jesse, which was his dad, had charged him. So you think about David. I mean, he's taking care of the sheep. He's helping out the king. And so when daddy comes to him and says, hey you want to go hang out with the warriors? You want to go hang out with your big brothers? He's probably like, yes, I'm on it. And so it says he got up early in the morning. He, he was, yes, he wanted this opportunity. And so he, he leaves the sheep with somebody else to take care of them. He gets up early. He heads out to, to see his brothers, to deliver the food. And it says this, he arrived at the perimeter of the camp as the army was marching out to its battle formation, shouting their battle cry. Israel and the Philistines lined up in battle formation facing each other. David left his supplies in care of the quartermaster and ran to the battle line. When he arrived, he asked his brothers how they were. While he was speaking with them, suddenly the champion named Goliath, the Philistine from Gath, came forward from the Philistine battle line and shouted his usual words, which David heard. And here's what's interesting. This was the first time David had heard it, but for his brothers and for the army, they had heard this over and over and over again, but for David, it was fresh. He he was there to see his brothers. He was there to to take his brothers some food. He was there to, you know, kind of see what the, the guys that were probably his heroes in his country, man, what they were doing, and so he's doing this, and all of a sudden he hears this Goliath guy and he hears his challenge to the armies of Israel. And then he probably, I mean, if, if he's like, like a normal 16 year old kid, he's probably looking around to the guys that are his heroes, his brothers, the warriors in his country, and are like, Is somebody gonna take care of that? Why, why are you guys moving backwards? Probably didn't make sense to him. And and it says this in verse 24. When all the Israelite men saw Goliath. They retreated from him terrified. See the army had gotten used to hopelessness and fear. They had just gotten used to it. If you've ever played sports. You know that there are certain times where you you watch teams. And they lose so much they expect to lose. They just get used to losing. They've lost so much. Their their attitudes are so bad and, and you watch them and they go out on the court or they go out on the field and they go out there and just are going through the motions and, and they just expect before they even have the first play they just expect to lose. And that's where the army was. They were hopeless. They they I mean they had no idea how to fix this. And David's hearing this first like for the first time. He's hearing this as a 16 year old, and and the army sees the enemy and and is afraid. Where David, he sees an opportunity because he wasn't clouded by fear. He wasn't clouded by, hey, this happens every single day and we just lose every day. He saw an opportunity. And so here's, here's David. He says this in verse 26. So David spoke to the men who were standing with him What will be done for the man who kills that Philistine? and removes this disgrace from Israel. See, while the king, his brothers, and really the entire army was clouded with fear, David, man, his view was clear. And so David, man, he's like, so if I go take this guy out, what do I get? Like, like what do you get if you go ahead and take care of this guy? And he sees an opportunity and and he starts asking questions so much so that his brothers get annoyed with him because they're, they're afraid. They're scared, and, and he's just, they don't know if he's like a little cocky 16-year-old. And so they get mad at him, and they're like, David, shut up, man. Go back to your sheep. You're messing things up. And, and here's what's real interesting. Was David just a cocky teenager, or was there more to David than that? I think there was more, and I think it, it goes back to the statement that, that we started with at the heart of this whole situation and it's that statement trusting god opens my eyes to see what others miss and do what others fear because david placed his trust in god he was able to see the situation different than everyone else saw the situation and so as david's there and he's asking questions like man what do i get if i kill this guy the the king hears. like The, the king hears. Well, somebody's asking about fighting this guy, and the king's desperate. So Saul says, hey, bring bring that guy to me. And so David is, it says in verse 31, when David said, what, what David said was overheard and reported to Saul, so he had David brought to him. David said to Saul, don't let anyone be discouraged by him. Your servant will go and fight the Philistine. He's basically like, dude, don't sweat this. I'm going to take care of Goliath. And again, because Saul was, he saw things totally different than David. Here's how he responded. He said, but Saul replied, you can't go fight this Philistine. Like you're, you're 16 years old, dude. You're just a youth. And he's been a warrior since he was young. See, Saul did not trust God and his, his ears were tuned into the enemy's voice. And as a result, he solved this situation through human limitations where David, man, he had a different perspective. And David's like, I'll I'll go take care of this guy. And Saul's just looking at him, dude, you're 16. You can't do this. You're not equipped. This guy's way more prepared. He's much stronger. He's been a warrior since he was your age. You can't do this. And so David answered, your servant has been tending his father's sheep. Oh, okay, well then that makes it, I'm so much more confident, David, now that you've told me that. But, but then he goes on and he, he shares with Saul a little bit more. It's like, he says this, he says basically, hey, I was out with my, my sheep and I was taking care of my sheep and a lion came and I killed the lion. And then a bear came and I killed the bear. And, and, and David's just talking to him like, that's normal to do, I guess. If you're a shepherd, if a bear comes, you just kill it. And so that's what, that's what he said. He was kind of explaining to, to Saul that, "Hey man, I, I've, you know I've never fought a, a Goliath, I've never fought a giant, but I have talked, you know kind of fought with a lion, and I've fought a little bit with a bear and kind of took care of them, and nobody was there to watch, and I didn't do it for like any fanfare. I was just trying to protect my dad's sheep. but I, I have done a few things. See, he was trying to say to, to, to Saul, Saul, I was faithful as a shepherd. And when challenges came, I trusted God. Fear didn't hold me back. And and honestly, Saul, watching how God protected me from the bear and the lion and how he took care of me, I just feel like he did that to prepare me for this. I think I can do this, Saul. In other words, faithfulness in the field with the sheep prepares me for success on the battlefield. See, unfortunately... Some of us will never find God's best because we're never willing to take care of the sheep in the field. And David said, you know what? When nobody was watching me and I was faithfully taking care of the sheep and and kind of doing that, I was actually being prepared for standing before everybody and fighting Goliath. But but for some of us, and, and some of us maybe that are teenagers, or we're young people, or maybe we're, we're older, we're 40s, 50s, 60s, and, and we can look at our life and think, you know what? Man, everybody wants to fight Goliath. Everybody wants to do the thing that everybody sees, and, 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 and man, that's great. But David says, you know what? I was willing to be faithful in the field with the sheep, and because I was faithful in the field with the sheep, I'm prepared today for the opportunity ahead, but unfortunately, some of us never get to that opportunity because we'll never, we're never willing to grind in the field with the sheep when nobody's looking. And so we'll never face Goliath when everything's on the line. And we'll be 40, 50, 60 years old, and we'll still be whining about having to be in the field with the sheep. And all along, God was saying, hey, David, all that time in the field, I was preparing you for the time on the battlefield. It, it, it goes on and it says this. As, as Saul's pretty desperate. It's not like he, bottom line, it's either David or him going to go fight. And he definitely doesn't want to go fight. So it says this, as, as David kind of explains to Saul that, man, I've, I've done this with the bear and the lion. I think I could do this. Saul said to David, Go. And may the Lord be with you. Like, buddy, you're going to need Jesus on this one because you're going to go fight. Yeah, but go do it. It says this. Then Saul had his own military clothes put on David. He put a bronze helmet on David's head and had his armor put on him. Verse 39. David strapped his sword on over the military clothes and tried to walk, but he was not used to them. And look at this next phrase. I can't walk in these, David said to Saul. I'm not used to them. So David took them off. Instead, he took a staff in his hand and chose five smooth stones. And he put them in his pouch, in his shepherd's bag. Then with his sling in his hand, he approached the Philistine. This is such an important, and if you grew up in church, you probably, you heard this, and you may have just kind of went over it quickly to the fight with Goliath. But for some of us, what was just said is the most important thing you're going to hear today, whether you're watching online or you're here this morning. See, when, when David was about to go fight Saul or fight Goliath, Saul, because he was scared, he said, you know what, at least let me give him my armor. And so, hey, what, what does a normal soldier need? Or right, let me give him my helmet, let me give him my armor, let me give him be given my sword... And it says, David just wasn't used to them. What David was used to, he was used to a sling. He was used to a staff. That's the tools God had given him. And he couldn't go fight the battle with somebody else's tools. He needed to use what God had given him instead of trying to be like somebody else to do the battle God had for him. And I think it's... Whether you grew up in church, whether maybe you're investigating faith, this is such an important principle. When we trust God, it it helps us be confident in our own skin. When my trust is in God and not my abilities, I don't need your armor to do my battles. You don't need my armor to do your battles. When I trust God and I trust his ability, I trust his knowledge, I trust his power, then I can trust that he has given me exactly what I need for what he has for me to do. And it's so important, when we trust someone else's armor instead of the God who called us to the battle, it doesn't go well. It's so important. Some of us, and I, and I, I feel for you, man, you, you look around and you think, man, God's called me to this, but if I could have what he has, or I could do it the way she does it, what if God gave you exactly what you needed to do what he's called you to do? And here's what's interesting. If God wanted other skills for the task at hand, he would have chose other people. And so you can, if you're someone who says, I'm going to trust in God just like David did, I can say, you know what? God's gave me a sling. He's given me a staff. This is what I need to do what God's called me to do. I'm going to stay in my lane and I'm going to be faithful. And that's what David, as a young kid, 16 years old, He was willing to just look at the king and say, dude, I can't do this with your stuff. If you were willing to go fight this dude, then you probably should wear your stuff. But I got to use what God's given me. Because this whole thing was never about the armor. It was never about the sword. It was all about the God who called me to the battle. And that's what I'm trusting in. And so it says this. verse 41, the Philistine came closer and closer to David with the shield bearer in front of him. When the Philistine looked and saw David, he despised him because he he was just a youth. He was healthy and handsome. He, He said to David, am I a dog that you come against me with sticks? Then he cursed David by his gods. I mean, basically, Goliath was insulted. He was offended that they would send a kid. I mean, his shield bearer could take David out. Like, why are you sending a kid? Am I a dog? I I mean, what are you doing? He he almost, like, I almost feel bad for killing this kid. I mean, he's just a kid. But then I love what David, David said to the Philistine, you can come against me with a sword, spear, javelin, bring it, buddy. But I come against you in the name of the Lord of the armies, the God of the ranks of Israel, and you've defied him. Today, the Lord will hand you over to me. Today, I'll strike you down, remove your head, and give the corpse of the Philistine camp to the birds of the sky and the wild creatures of the earth. And all the world will know that Israel has a God. Because the way my brothers and the king have been representing that God, the world wouldn't know. But what's going to happen today is going to scream, Israel has a God, capital G. And this whole assembly will know that it is not by sword or by spear that the Lord saves. For the battle is the Lord's. He will hand you over to us. Basically, Goliath, I'm going to take you out. And by doing this, I'm going to send a message to the world that it is God who saves. Not sword, not spear, not army. I'm going to take you out. And then it says this. And this might be my favorite verse in the whole story. When the, when the Philistines started forward to attack him, David ran quickly to the battle line to meet the Philistine. When I live from a place of trust and dependence on God, I can move towards opportunities that others fear with enthusiasm. Like David, he, he saw the Philistine come, and it wasn't about walking to the guy. He, he starts running, I'm going after this guy. This isn't defense. This is offense. I'm going after him. He he runs to the battle. David puts his hand in his bag. He took out a stone, slung it, and hit the Philistine on his forehead. The stone sank into his forehead, and he fell face down to the ground. David defeated the Philistine with a sling and a stone. David overpowered the Philistine and killed him with a sword. I mean, he, David, he's like probably needed some help from the shield bearer to pick up the sword, but basically picks up. Goliath's own sword and cuts his head off. I mean, it's kind of gruesome, but David's like, yeah, this is kind of what I do. So David's a warrior. He cuts the guy's head off. And then verse 52, the men of Israel and Judah rallied, shouting their battle cry and chased the Philistines. I love that word chased, because what were they doing before? They were running. But they saw a 16 year old that trusted God. And because he trusted God, he saw what others didn't see, and he moved towards things that others feared. And when they saw that example, it changed their outlook, and they started running too to the battle. When you, when you hear about David, just like when you had a hero as a kid, you hear about a guy like David, and you think, man, I'd like to be like that. Just like as a kid, I wanted to be like a Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle. Just like a, as a kid, I wanted to, to dunk like Kobe. You know, uh, you, you want those things. And I think we're old enough to know that, you know what? If I put a cape on, I'm not going to be able to fly. And, and no matter how far I lower the basketball goal, I'll never be able to dunk like Kobe. So I'm, I'm not disappointed. I know that's not going to happen. But I can be like David. I can trust in God and see what others don't see, and I can move towards what other people fear, and it comes down to one question. This whole thing comes down to one question, and it's simply this. Who do you trust? Who do you trust? Do You trust you, or do you trust God? We take this story of David and you think, oh, great man. This great guy did this amazing thing. And it all comes down to one question. Like the difference between David and the army comes down to who do you trust? You trust you or do you trust God? If you, you, you trust you, you trust in my abilities, my strength, my perspective, my way. That's that's what Saul. That's what Saul and the army, that's that's what they they trusted. They, They trusted in their abilities, their strength, their perspective, their way. And so when they saw the enemy, when they heard the enemy, because this is who they were trusting in, they were afraid. Or do we trust God? Do we trust in God's ability? Do we trust in God's strength? Do we trust that God's perspective is better than mine? Like, if it doesn't make sense to me, that doesn't mean it doesn't make sense. Do we trust God's way? That, that really, and, and, and lean in here, whether you're watching online or not, because this is what it comes down to. This is, that right here, this is what, ha- like 20 years from now, whether you have regrets or not, comes down to this question. Who do I trust? Do I really trust that God's way is best? Do I really trust that God's perspective is right? Because if I do, it affects every area of my life. And that's what David did. That's why David was able to see so clearly what the army and Saul totally missed. That's why he was able to move like with enthusiasm towards things that literally his whole country was afraid of, but he was able to move towards them because he trusted in God David was able to see what others missed and move towards what others feared. And so the question that, that you have to ask yourself is this. What if I could live life and not be afraid? Like, like what, what if I could walk through life and not be afraid? I mean, Christians are some of the most scared people in the world. And if you don't, if you don't believe that, just look at social media. That The people that say they trust God are the biggest chickens in the world, some of them. Not, not, not the ones that go to City Walk Church or watch online, but some of them, and, and we all know that's true. But because we say, I mean, we should just not even say that we trust God because we look, I mean, it just makes God look like a wimp. Where David said, no, I trust, like, I really trust God. I really trust his way. I really trust his perspective. And so when everybody else is afraid because of a giant or because of whatever, like, like I'm not going to be afraid. I'm going to move towards things with faithfulness and enthusiasm because this has never been about me. It's been about God. And it comes down to who do we trust? See, this is so important as we close. Because sometimes, and for, for some of you, this is the thing you maybe need to hear today, whether you're online or you're here, is that the reason that we're afraid is because we aren't confident with how God's made us or the tools he's given us. We say, you know what, I'm, I'm, if I had what he had, if I had what she had, then I wouldn't be afraid, and God's saying, you don't need those things, you just need me. You can move through life with enthusiasm. You can be faithful with what God's given you to do. You can move towards things others are afraid of. And you don't have to have what everybody says you have to have to do that. You just have to have what I've given you. And you have to use it faithfully. And that's what David did. And so as we close, I want to encourage you with a prayer. That maybe you're here, whether you're online or you're here this morning, and you'd say, Chris... Man, I, I walk through life afraid. I don't like try to tell people that I'm afraid, but I, I walk through life anxious and afraid a lot. I, I walk through life looking at other people and thinking, "Man, if I only had what she had, if I only had what he had." And I, I honestly, I'm insecure because of that. But but I don't want to walk through life anymore like that. I don't want to trust in myself. I want to put my trust in God. Then let me give you a prayer, a simple prayer that I'd encourage you to pray from the heart to God throughout this week. Maybe for this next week, you make this your prayer. And here it is very short. God, your way is best. And I trust you. Help me to be faithful with the task you give me. Would you be willing to pray that whether you're online or whether you're here this morning? Would you maybe make this your prayer this week? God, your way is best and I trust you. Help me to be faithful in the field with the task that maybe nobody knows about. Maybe nobody's going to give me any credit for it, but help me to be faithful with the task you give me. Let's pray. Lord, I come before you this morning, and Lord, we're, we're thankful for the, the story of David. We're thankful for his faithfulness. And Lord, we know he wasn't a perfect hero. He was a man. He was a man that made some monumental mistakes later in life. But as a young man, he was a young man that was different than even people much older than him. He was a young man who put his trust in you when his whole country didn't. And because he put his trust in you, he was willing to be faithful where you put him. He was willing to take on things that other people feared. And Lord, I pray for us in this gathering, whether we're online or we're here this morning. God, I pray that we would be people that are not afraid. And I pray that we wouldn't be afraid not because of what we bring to the table, because if that's what we trusted in, we should be afraid but we're not afraid because we don't trust in our abilities. We don't trust in our perspective. We don't trust in our way or our power. We trust in you. We trust that your way is best. We trust that you've given us the tools you want us to have. And our desire, God, is that we would be faithful. As we close this morning with every head bowed and every eye closed, maybe you're here this morning and if you're honest, you've been walking through life afraid and And I get it. there's a lot of things around us. This has obviously been a pretty crazy season for our world. and what we're afraid of, the real things. but i I would hope for you that you would just even in the quietness of this room that you would make your prayer to God, God, I trust you, your way's best, help me to be faithful with the task you've given me. And maybe this week, maybe, maybe in a way that you haven't in months, would you maybe recommit yourself to not listen to the, the enemy's voice, to spend time listening to the voice of God? Would you do that? And then this week when you're tempted to be afraid or you're tempted to feel like you have to have somebody else's tools to do what you're called to do, would you just lean into the fact that God's way is best, you can trust God, and all He asks you to do is be faithful in the field. And as you are faithful in the field, God seems to open doors for you to be faithful in bigger ways but he's using the field to prepare you for the future. So be faithful. God, I pray for each of us here that we would make our prayer this week. God, your way is best. We trust you. Help us to be faithful with the task you've given us. In Jesus' name, amen.